Hi, and welcome to another episode of Wine and Wisdom. I'm Thomas Lehuang, and you're listening to the TL Podcast, where knowledge is shared and no one takes themselves too seriously. We are live. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hey. How's it going, guys? Jeez, seriously, we're live, right? Yeah. We well, I don't know. Every single time we the way we start, every single time is quiet. And then, so smooth, so smooth. The, the, the fire words goes off at the end. We can't switch it off fast enough. I'm trying to get this intellectual experience out of my head, man. What a joke. We just I'm like waking up after a hangover, trying to work out where you are. Seriously. We just don't want to waste it, mate. Because usually, after three minutes, we work out you stuff something up. <laughs> all right we still have one more minute we do see we just see mads we you know we just try and get it right every week and or every month and and we're just making sure we're right on time today <laughs> right on time <laughs> yeah we, we couldn't insult we couldn't insult you buddy <laughs> <laughs> nervous mate what happened though are you ready as soon just relax man it's easy mate Quick, let's go half that bottle. Quick, quick. <laughs> you clearly haven't drank enough. Make me feel great, Kim. I'm here for you. Thank you. All righty, here we go. We have a special guest, everybody, today. We have the one and only Madeline Troth from Wiseberry Foster. She's actually one of my dear colleagues, and she's joining us today to share an inspiration inspirational stories so welcome Mads welcome Yay. good on you all right and she's gonna have to wait a few minutes because we're gonna do our wine first which by the way so far uh Chris has won the last two and so that I don't, I don't forget today how, how? Uh, I'm, I'm, win I'm winning the I've won this one all right so let's start with your wine first uh but but yours is qualified Chris because it was uh, <laughs> it was handed in late I've got a bobblehead on my dashboard that looks exactly the same. <laughs> it's of the Michelin man. You're so Actually, lucky this is G-rated, man. <laughs> All right. All right, let's start with you, Lou. Okay, so I have Pinot Noir. You can see here, 2020 Tasmania. Um, I had to, I I had my wine in late this this. Um, podcast i had to admit i had to fly this morning so i couldn't take it on the plane with me so i had to get it while i was here so it's best i could find nearby so that's nice that's nice okay a bullshit excuse well done well we i know that she's a guest but i i believe she's got a, a hawaiian too maria have you got one i do what have you got i've got a 2021 piano it's actually imported from italy this is a bit of a significant wine to me because I had this bottle of wine on my very first date with my partner. So it, is, it holds quite a lot of significance to me, but yes, it is a wine. I can't wait to try oh, that. Nice. So, so which part of Italy is it from, you know? I don't know that. I probably Italian part. <laughs> yeah. All of the back of it is written in Italian. I can't understand anything it says. Google Translator. Oh, wow. It works wonders. Okay, well, you've, just, you've just discovered he only spent six dollars on your first day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
All right, what about you, Chris? Um, I've got a risk. Um, this is the uh, lower end of the risk <laughs> wine list. It's called the bu budget-friendly bottle. Uh, it's a 2020, it's Capsav. Still comes from the Limestone Coast. Um, as you all know, limestone's good to uh, in the soil for great grapes. Um, and this uh, winery actually started as a Hereford stud farm uh, for cattle wow. uh, in 1906. And then they converted over to grapes um, quite a few years after that. It's still running um, under the same name. They do make some really top end wines, which I've had on here, but I bought a few bottles of this because um, it's actually not a bad drop for a cheap bottle. So Judging by the score you got, mate, I'd say some of the horse shit has affected some of the grapes. <laughs> Did get, didn't get filtered out through the filtration process. Limestone and horse shit. It's Hereford, <laughs> they're cows. <laughs> Hereford stud, mate, is there. They're cattle. Oh, well, I, don't, I don't know what stud is. I didn't sweep. All right, but your way, Len. Very, very much like it. But, uh... <laughs> uh, I, I think... I think we've had Catnook Estate on here before from the Coonawarra. Um, it's a cab sav, this one from 2013. So it is 10 years old. Wow. Um, South Australian wine. We've, we've described the winery before and uh, I think it's going to be beautiful. But I too didn't put my bottle in, so it counts for nothing. Yeah, but even if it did count, you actually got beaten by this one here by 0 0.03 points. Oh, right. and and what I wanted you guys to have a look at is the last grape. The, the last grape is Mataro, yeah, and, and that's uh, originally from Spain, but mainly uh, actually now in uh, found in France, a lot in Australia as well. And that's the one when you put a little bit of that in your Shiraz, that gives you all of that uh, Cabernet Sauvignon-like style and fruit, but without being a cap south, you know. There was a bin, because I went through the Penfolds bin as well, there was a bin 13, I think it was, which had the same grape on it, but it only rated a 3.8, so I didn't get it. Mm. I mean, there was a bin 28, which was a 4.1, I didn't get that either. So. Well, cheers. cheers. Good to have you, Madeleine. Cheers. Oh, she's having a little drop. <laughs> All right. So uh, let's do five minutes of news. What, what's, what's worthy news? Now, it's been a big month. Russia was folding and then it didn't. New South Wales was New South Wales in the state of origin. Today we found out Gladys is corrupt, but she's not going to get charged. And inflation's going down. And the Reserve Bank bent us even further over earlier in the month. And today I paid $2.20 for a litre of petrol. So life's good. And <laughs> I'd actually like to thank the Reserve Bank because my new diet of two-minute noodles... Uh, cask wine and riding a bike to work has been great for my weight loss. So thank you, everybody. There's always a silver lining, Cam. Always. That, that was a silver lining, yeah. The silver whining is... Um... <laughs> so it's been a great month. I just can't wait for next Tuesday. I think it's going to be brilliant. Just... Tuesdays must trigger you now. <laughs> ah. Oh, seriously, I don't, we're not political podcasts, but this stuff with Gladys, like she quit and claimed she was innocent. The report came out today. She's absolutely corrupt as hell. And that's yeah. followed with, but no charges will be laid. What is going on? I don't, I don't understand. What is going on in the world? Well, it's very simple, mate. If they have to start putting politicians to jail for those things, they all, they all be in jail. So I reckon they gang up together and say, no, let's not put each other in jail. 
Mm. I think the jails will be fuller than they are. Mm. There wouldn't be enough room. Any yeah. other news? No, not worthy news. We can oh. go to the Titanic if we want. That went well. I'll tell you what, and the Reserve Bank's right because inflation is a powerful thing. In 1912, it cost seven pounds to die in the North Atlantic Ocean. And now in 2023, it costs $250,000 to die in the North Atlantic Ocean. So inflation is real. Good on the Reserve Bank. It's a shit joke, man. That's a great joke. No, I'm deadly serious. <laughs> I don't think we should need to joke with that. But that's you still, Kevin. Okay? It's fine. We, we go with that one. All right, let's, let's start the, um, the podcast, Luke. So Maddie, Maddie's here to share her inspiring story um, with us all, which I think um, I know a lot about it because I went through the journey with her, but um, you guys will be inspired and anyone that's watching, I'm sure will be moved and changed very much so. So Maddie had an incident at the beginning of the year, which has dramatically changed her life and she's here to share that with us. So Mads, I suppose... I guess we need to start with um, what actually was the incident and how did it happen? Yes, so I'm just going to put it out there before I start, though, a bit of a trigger warning to anyone who is listening because the story is quite graphic uh, and I will be talking a lot about trauma, so I kind of just wanted to put that out there. So basically on the 2nd of January of this year, the day after New Year's, um, my partner and I were fishing on the break wall down at Foster. We're about a metre and a half down on the rocks. And pretty much the rock that I was on as we were fishing, it tipped. And as, I, as it tipped, I fell forward. My leg caught a oyster bed very badly and I fell into the ocean much that's what happened um my I was lucky that there was lucky but unlucky there was an oyster bed um on the kind of coming out from the rocks as well so I landed feet first on that so that kind of caught my fall but I ended up I was chest deep um grazed the back of my legs but unfortunately my leg copped the full force of that oyster bed mm. now I mean that sounds horrific enough, but I don't think anybody can appreciate the extreme damage that that did to Maddie's leg. I've seen the pictures and I, I think you guys may have by now, but, um, you know, when she told me initially, I was like, oh, geez, Mads, that's bad. And then she sent me the pictures and I was like, oh, my goodness. Like, hmm. When it happened, I... I actually had quite a number of thoughts go through my head as I fell in. And it's kind of funny how the brain works because I had pain in lots of different areas. So at that very moment, my leg wasn't the thing that hurt the most. I'd caught like the backs of my legs and my feet and my leg, like, and the front of my leg. And my very first thought was uh, like when I, I pulled, like I pulled my leg up out of the water and I saw it. And I was met with a very, very graphic confronting scene. And my very first thought was, that's my leg. Because it was the worst gash I had ever seen, but it was on me. It wasn't like in the movies or, you know, on TV where it's not actually real. And my second thought was, okay, don't panic. Because I knew that the minute, the minute that I panicked, I would go into shock. And that's when things would get really, really bad. 
Um, and I called out for my partner. He was actually like straight behind me anyway. And he came rushing down and we shared some very colorful words together. Um, but the first, yeah, that was basically my, and as dramatic as it sounds, I will share one of my thoughts there was, this is, this is not happening. This is not how I'm going to die. This is not how I'm going to bleed out because there was, there was a significant amount of blood. It didn't bleed profusely because it was very, very deep, but I did for a split second think there, get me out of this situation because where I actually fell in is where all of the gray nurse sharks kind of come by um, on the break wall. And I thought, oh God, like I, it, this can't be the place. Like I just, just get me up onto safety and, you know, we'll go from there. Um, Zach had asked, like, he was like, he reassured me straight away and you will find out through this podcast, he was the most incredible person. And I just, I, I couldn't have done it without him. Um, but he pretty much basically said straight away, you're okay. Everything's going to be, everything is going to be okay. Um, so he basically, I said to him, run, go get help. There was some people we could kind of see on the path that were walking um, and we just yelled out to them. So we had a couple of people, this one guy in particular, I don't know what his name is. I just know that he was on holidays, poor guy. I, um, I think I've just basically traumatized him for life. He ripped off his shirt, him and Zach came down and they tourniqueted my leg back together. And I would later find out that the way they did that saved me from losing a lot of blood and, you know, evidently bleeding out because even though I wasn't losing a whole lot of blood right there and then, the doctors and nurses said, basically, it comes. Um, so they tied my leg back together. But because I was so steep down the rocks, I there was no other possible way for me to get back up onto the path unless I walked up myself. So I put on a brave face and I said to them, you know, basically help me up, just get me up and I will walk up the rock. So I, you know, one hand I'm holding my leg together, another arm is behind someone. Um, and I kind of hopped up as painful as it was. And then after that's a little bit hazy, I just remember being scooped up um, and carried onto the path. From there, there was quite a number of people around us. Um, and I just, a lot of people were, were talking, you know, should we call an ambulance? Should we do this? Should we do that? And in that moment, I just, I said to Zach, put me in the car and take me to hospital. I, I wasn't waiting for an ambulance. I don't know my anatomy that well. So I, I didn't know what I'd actually gone through, but I just knew that it was very, very bad. And I just needed to get to a hospital ASAP. Um, so he put me in the car and I just remember us not speaking for a solid 10 minutes. We were dead silent. And then we, in classic me and Zach, um, you know, emotion, we kind of turned to each other and we just burst out laughing. We were hysterically laughing. And he was like, you know, holy shit, you, your leg is open. And I was like, I know, imagine how bad my scar is going to be. So we kind of used a little bit of humor to get us through it. And then I just kept saying to him, just distract me. So we played I Spy all the way to Tari Hospital. Um, so yeah, once we, once we got to Tari Hospital, he just basically legged it in there and got me into emergency. They took it apart, um, realized how bad it was. And immediately they said, this will have to get surgically put back together. And I, I just, 
for me, the, the adrenaline had just started wearing off at that point. My chin was starting to shake. I was starting to get a little bit worked up. I'd called my mum and I just remember saying, like in my head saying, don't freak her out. I have had so many injuries over the years. If you know me, you know I've had my fair share of injuries. So I called her and I put on a brave voice and I was like, hi, mom, just letting you know, like I've had a bit of a fall fishing, but I'm okay. Yeah, I've cut my leg a little bit. I'll probably need a couple of stitches, but we're just going to the hospital just, just to make sure. And then she'd later find, her out, find out that it was more than just a couple of stitches. Um, but yeah, and then I went into the, the waiting room. I was there for quite a while. And one of my very first texts was to Miss Louise. And I think we were looking at it the other day. It was something on along the lines of, you'll never guess what I've just done. And then one of her replies was, you know, pics or it didn't happen. And then I sent it through to her. And I think she really regretted asking me for the photo. Yeah, I, I did because my stomach's not fantastic. And she was like, yeah. oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But um, even to the extent, like what, you, what you're explaining, Mads, is, you know, obviously without seeing it, I don't, you, you can't appreciate, no one can appreciate to the extent of the damage. Um, and I think you even severed a nerve. So I severed, this is where it'll get quite graphic. So it was about um, four to five centimetres wide, uh, 15 centimetres long. I'd gone through my front um, muscle. I'd actually gone so deep that I carved my tibia and I severed about six nerves. When Mads now has no feeling in her. Yeah. So that resulting in, um, I do not have any feeling in the top side of my right foot. I don't have any feeling um, in the back of my leg, like my calf muscle, like basically from my knee to my ankle. Um, and I don't, I have very kind of odd feeling around the scar itself. Get the photo on your computer, Mads. I think we need to share the photo. <laughs> uh, I think someone will have it. Oh, well, well, so, but so, listen, it, it's a bit of a horror movie. Uh, I'm going to go through this, but we should have warned that it was an uh, maybe R15 plus uh, podcast. <laughs> now, let, let, let's go through all of this because so you, you got operated right there and then and, and what's going through your mind after the operation or the next day? Can, can you just tell us? Yeah, so they told me, uh, so they told me it would, I would be operated on the very next day in the morning. Uh, it happened a little bit later on through the day. Um, I will share, there is a story that I'm going to share. I wasn't going to, but it does play a big part in why I was so affected. So there was, I had quite a number of doctors and nurses that were looking after me um, throughout the night. I finally got a bed. We went in about six o'clock and you know, I got a bed around 10 o'clock. And the doctors and nurses, I had one doctor who was convinced that he could just clean it, stitch it and send me home. And all the rest of the doctors were like, if you do that, she's going to go home. She's going to get an infection. She'll come back and we'll have to take her leg. And that's when things will get messy. I've had quite a lot of pain medication at this point. So I'm sitting at the end of the bed like, well, what is going on? Um, so this one doctor, he comes back and he says to Zach and I, I'm, I'm going to need to clean the wound. And so I'm thinking, okay, that's fine. I would later find out that it was supposed to be cleaned under general anesthetic, not local. 
So I was given about eight local anesthetic needles that went straight on and around the wound. Um, you would need to then clean it with like a whole bag of saline solution. Now, when I said before, like I've, I've had my fair share of injuries, so I've experienced pain. I know what pain is like, but there are not enough words in the English dictionary to explain the amount of pain that I felt in that moment. It was, I cried so hard. I was screaming. My poor partner was half holding me on the bed, half holding my hand. And I could see like what, you know, my pain was doing to him. And I remember, I remember in that moment thinking the pain was so bad. I was for sure thinking it was, I was going to die. Like that's how bad it was. But then on the other hand, thinking this hurts so bad, I want to die. Like it was awful. And I just looked up at Zach and, you know, we just held each other's gaze. And I just, I thought, you know, he's going to be the one to help me get through this. And I think it lasted for about a minute or two minutes. And it was, you know, intense crying and intense screaming. But in that moment, you know, I just, I locked his, his gaze and realized, you know, this person is my why, this person is my reason. And if I can just get through this and get to the other side, then everything's going to be okay. But that pain, I will never, ever forget. And it has stuck with me and it's caused me awful nightmares. And even when I had the surgery the next day and they found out that that's what happened, they were just basically saying the psychological terror uh, they wouldn't even be able to imagine. Um, and that night I convinced Zach, you know, go home, get some rest, because to be honest, he was no good to me if he was going to be exhausted. I was in the best possible place. We also have a cat, so I needed him to go home and feed the cat. That's what was going through in my head. So I sent him home and he was very, very reluctant. He didn't want to go home. And that night was the worst night of my life. I stayed awake for six hours straight and I cried. And when I tell you that I did not stop crying, it was just six hours of just the most awful feeling. And I had lots of doctors and nurses coming in. Some of them were so empathetic and amazing. And, you know, I will be forever grateful for them. But I also had a couple that were coming in saying, you know, you're so lucky, but you're also not out of the woods yet because infection, like, I don't know if you know, but an oyster cut holds the dirtiest infection in the world. And if that, because I'd gone through my muscle and my bone was exposed, if that infection had traveled, I was at a high risk of losing um, my leg or basically from the knee down. So I'm going through my head. And I think this was a huge moment for me to be like, there's still so much that I need to, to do with two legs. There's still so much, you know, I need to, to do. Um, did I think I was going to die? No, I didn't think it was, it was that bad. But I also was very fearful that I was going to lose my leg because the doctors and nurses were saying to me, you know, you aren't out of the woods yet. We need to, we, we have cleaned it out, but we won't know the full extent until we go in for surgery. So that night was awful. I won't, I can't sugarcoat it. And I, I think I was holding, like I was trying to put on such a brave face 
uh, with Zach around. And as soon as he left, I just lost it. And I just felt myself totally lose control. And um, yeah, it was, it was awful. So surgery the next day. Um, you're going too fast. You're going too fast, uh, Maddie. Were you crying for six hours because of all those thoughts of, I don't want to lose my leg or, or, or something else? like it was a mixture of everything it was a mixture of feeling sad of feeling scared of feeling alone um but I I also said to my mom the next morning I was like I think I can understand why babies cry when they're exhausted because I think I was just exhausted and because I was going into surgery I couldn't have any like water and food so I was just drained and the more you cry the more you dehydrate yourself so I was just yeah it was just Every single emotion possible was going through my head and I I was so uncomfortable, like I could not get comfortable and I just had this awful pulse, like pulsating ache in my leg and I knew what was, I think that's, fun. it's funny how the brain works because when you know what it looks like, it feels 10 times worse. Because yeah. a lot of people ask me like, oh my God, I bet it hurt. To be honest, it didn't hurt as bad as what you think. Like because it happened so fast, it just felt like a deep scratch. The initial cut itself didn't hurt that bad. It felt very hot, but yeah, the the after pain and everything that went with it, and because I saw how bad it was, I think that my brain was almost, you know, playing a few little tricks on me because the wor- the worse it looks, the worse it feels. Mm, mm, yeah. Okay, so you, you, you had the operations. Um, how were you after the operation? Oh, there's a lot that I don't remember. Um, I did have quite a couple of complications during surgery um, that resulted in my surgery going for quite a bit longer than what it was supposed to. I came out of surgery and was really, I remember just wait, kind of waking up groggily um, and seeing that everything was okay. I had two legs and I was like, okay, we're on, we're good. And it was, it was relief, but then it was, oh my God, the pain, the pain was so bad. So they gave me a lot of uh, pain relief and a lot of it was very, very strong, but I just remember feeling, I just wanted to see Zach, um, tell him that I'm okay, tell him that everything is going to be okay. But I also wanted answers. I wanted to know, for me, it was really important in that moment to know how many stitches I had. I just wanted to know how many I had. And I kept asking the nurses. And because I had, I think I had a team of four or five um, surgeons, they were all working on me. So no one could really pinpoint exactly. They were just like, oh, I gave you five and I gave you three. And it ended up being 15 um internal and 15 external and then five up the muscle mm. are you okay thomas no i'm not that's why i was expecting more to be honest this is i was actually expecting more i'm a bit underwhelmed it's 46 the stitches they weren't they weren't your typical fishing lines yeah. it was so ugly like but like it, in a good way but the the stitches were not like it was not clean it was uh, but yeah so the I went basically got to go in and 
Zach uh, told me, you know, how I was so groggy and I was, I was making, I spoke to my grandmother and my mom, apparently I don't remember a thing. And there's a photo which actually got shared um, that, yeah, I just, I barely even remember it because I said to Zach, can you send me some photos from, you know, when I was in hospital and there's he's sending me photos that I don't even remember. Mm. But um, my nurse, so my, my head doctor and surgeon, she came in the following day I think it was to basically tell me how it went and tell me what what they did and and everything and um I said to her like I can't feel my foot is that is that just from the local anesthetic and she said oh you've actually severed quite a number of nerves probably about half a dozen so she said I'm sorry to tell you you probably won't get the feeling in your foot back um because I there was we kind of had to do a bit of assessment and I could say where I felt and where I didn't feel. There's I'll probably get the feeling in the back of my calf muscle back maybe three years, which is very positive. Um, the top side of my foot I probably won't ever get back, and that's fine. I've learned to live with it. It just means that it doesn't hurt when I quick kick my foot, so that's great. Um, but yeah, yeah I, mad party tricks, Madzie. That's going to be. Awesome. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen the movie Mr. Good Deeds, but have a look at that movie. I've had people, yeah, I've had people mention that to me. <laughs> so, Gotta so, ask, do you feel so, like so you... oysters or not? Gotta ask. I love them. I love them. Oh, that's good. That's good. A lot of people said, oh my God, doesn't doesn't like eating them freak you out? No. Can I can I ask one thing, Maddie? You before going in, you said yeah, like when you were crying, you said you had so much to do. Yeah. Right? Before the surgery, you said you had so much to do. After the surgery, you look down and you go, all right, I've got two legs. We're good to go. Yes. Talk us through that. What's going in your mind about what's so much to do and what's good to go? What, what, are, we, what are we talking about there? For me, I think when I realised that the possibility, oh, I, like, I could have lost my leg and I, I had that feeling, I thought, have I become stagnant in my life have I I stopped doing the things that I loved like I I love surfing and I you know and I stopped doing that and I can't even give you a reason why there was just a lot of and it's got I think a lot of people will say oh is it, is it because you got into a relationship no like Zach and I we do a lot of things together um but I just I think in that moment I thought there's there's so much that life has to offer and as soon as I saw that everything was fine, I was like, okay, like life isn't going to go back to normal, but all of the stuff that I was worried about, because I was thinking like, how, how is it all going to work? If that was the path that was going to happen to me, how yeah. is, how is, how is life going to, you know, basically, you know, and I was, I was also thinking about my family. I had a pregnant sister that I didn't want to, I didn't want to stress her out. I had another sister who was overseas and I didn't want to worry them. And I almost, you know, I was almost feeling like oh, I'm going to be such a burden to everyone. Um, but I think that this is a, a massive part of how I, I changed my mindset um, because when I say there's, there's things that I wanted to do, I was doing great in my in my life before this happened I was kicking goals and I have been kicking goals since the day I was born I'm so proud of what I have done with my life but now I look back and I think okay 
every single day you wake up, be grateful for it. And Thomas said this when he visited Tari a couple of weeks ago and he said, you know, something to be grateful for is, you know, when as soon as you wake up, you're alive. And I think that every single day, I think I was given a second chance. Not many people can say that. And even though life for me, it's it's as no, it's pretty normal. It's not 100% back to what it was before. But there's just things that I do now that I didn't do before. I like to say yes. I like to say yes to new things. And Louise would know more than anyone, the amount of things I have said yes to in my life and I've started doing new things has significantly changed my life. I, I can't even begin to describe the change in Maddie since this event. And don't get me wrong, as she says, like she was kicking many goals and she was a great human. But I've seen that she did struggle a lot with, um, like we all do, like a little bit of self-doubt and a little bit of confidence and NGM or whatever we talk about. But it's like it's been the most dramatic uh, perspective shift for you. And the most significant changes, I think, have been within your mindset and and how you pick yourself up but then you see other people you recognize other people now having a bad day off day like like just the other day we were together and she goes your energy's off what's up and I was like oh okay so here's what's up but it's like she's like a she she's like a, a magnet to finding and feeling these things now and it's it's so awesome so Maddie can I ask just on what sorry Ken can I ask just just on what Lou said it's something very there's a word that she used, confidence, right? Um, that you're more confident now. Do you think the fact that you've gone through such a life-changing or such an event that you now go, man, I've handled that. I can now handle anything. Is that is that sort of maybe the mentality or where, yeah. where does that? I w- I'll, I'll say yes. I have had, um, I've had a few crappy things happen to me over the years where I have overcome that and I've come out stronger. But I think that this definitely, I think I needed this to happen to realize the potential that I have. Mm. I have huge potential in my life, in my career, my relationships, my friendships. And I think that before what happened, I was just plateauing through life and it's just everybody does it. Whereas it's just a wake up call for me to realize there's more I can throw into my job into my friendships my relationships and lots of different things and look I had there was a few turning points like I didn't just have this happen to me straight away like I struggled extremely bad and probably not from other people's point of view but from my point of view I felt like I was holding myself together very well I think I was putting on a brave face but inside I was not. I was having... Are you talking about previously? Prior to the accident? After. 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 Okay. So, like, I was having terrible nightmares after the accident. Um, My confidence, my self-doubt, I was doubting myself a lot. And Mm. just in in different things in life, it wasn't even physical. It wasn't even... Just to just to point out as well, which you guys may not realize because Mads hasn't mentioned it, but after the accident, Maddie slowly came back to work. But when she did, she was on a walking stick for four months or five months or something. So it was how long, Mads? Sorry. 
three months. Sorry, it felt like four months. I started off in a wheelchair because I lacerated my feet so bad. I couldn't walk. So that was something that else they surgically fixed up when I was in hospital. So I was in a wheelchair for probably the first week. Then I went on to the underarm crutches. I was on them for probably a month. And then I went to the wrist crutches. And then I was on a walking stick because not only from the pain of the cut, but I couldn't feel my foot. So I couldn't, It was I had to train my leg to kind of work again. And I was so... I don't want to say embarrassed because I felt like such an old lady, but it was just, I felt like a bit of dignity was taken from me. And um, like I was, I was so slow moving and my, obviously I had to do a, a lot of physio. That was going to be the biggest thing that would help me recover. And my very first day of physio, Louise was actually in foster. And I said to her, I was like, okay, I got this. And I went, and uh, it wasn't great. He was actually, he said, you know, I'm not going to sugarcoat this. This, is, this isn't great. And he gave me about one to two years of recovery. And I, and I was going to be on my walking stick indefinitely until I started to show improvement. And I went back to my car and I had one of those like breakdown moments and I'm hitting the, the steering wheel and they were, a little bit nervous. I, I developed something called compartment syndrome, which also meant I was not out of the woods. That can result in me losing my leg too. And I went back to the office and I had a bit of a cry to Lou and I thought, you know, why me? What have I, what have I done in this life to deserve this? I've been through so much over the last few years. You know, what could I possibly have done to deserve this? But I'm not going to lie, I look back on this now and this was always going to happen. You can't change fate. What was destined for me for the past, for now, for the future, it's going to happen. There's nothing I could have done. Like I made what, a choice. Sorry, man. What, what was the turning point though? So you, you started off saying that you're in a dark place and you're holding it together pretty well and putting on a brave face and I know everything you're about to get into, but before you get into <laughs> that... Everyone has a an aha moment, right? And, and well, not everyone, because a lot of people would stay and play the victim and use it for the probably the rest of their life. Um, oh, the definitely the definitely the immediate future. And when you are on your own, because there would have been a lot of hours spent alone, one in hospital beds too, at physiotherapy and doing all that stuff. Um, please just tell me, for God's sake, it wasn't a Brene Brown book. But what was the what was the, <laughs> Please, I'm begging you. I'm begging you to tell me it had nothing to do with Brene Brown. Just so you know, there was there was a turning there was a turning point. You had a there was there was but but I'll say there was a few turning points that involved about three different people. Not Brene Brown. Come on, man. Not Brene Brown, but one. Yeah! It was Louise. <laughs> so. She was my first turning point, actually. I'd had a meeting with my leaders about something and I kind of, as we finished up, I sat in my seat and Lou kind of, I think she noticed my energy and she was like, are you okay? And I lost it. I lost it so hard that I couldn't even catch my breath. Like I was sobbing and I think I was like apologizing, saying, I'm so sorry. I don't, like, I don't know why I'm getting so upset, but I let everything out. Everything that I had been feeling Lou is not only my leader, she's like 
my sister, she's one of my greatest friends and she's, I have shared secrets and stories with Louise that I have not shared with a lot of people. She's just one of those people that I just felt so comfortable in that moment to share everything that I was feeling. And I did say to her, look, I know I've got a problem. I know I need to go and get help and I do plan on getting help. So that was one of my moments. That night I went home to Zach. Zach knew that I'd had a really bad day again I lost it I was crying and I said to him like I'm I'm here I'm I don't know why I'm crying I should be happy and grateful but I just can't shake this awful feeling and this sickness that I've got in the back of my mind and and again I he kind of said to me look I think you might have I think you might have a little bit of PTSD and in my mind I was completely rejected that I was like nope nope not look there's nothing wrong with that there's nothing wrong with PTSD but I was just like no I don't have that I don't I don't have that at all I know I need help but I don't have PTSD and things after that slowly started to get worse like I, I knew that I had a problem I knew that I needed help but I am someone who doesn't like to ask for help and I was not going to go and see a therapist or a doctor that's just who I am there's not like I said there's nothing wrong with it but it's not who I am and I was having this really bad day. It was actually Anzac Day. And I went and saw one of my very dear friends, Josie. She had been on this wellness and, and fitness journey. I'd been watching her on social media. And I thought, oh, God, I would love to, to feel like that. I would love to just love myself again. So I went and saw her and we shared lots of different words. And she said to me, go for a run. When you go home, go for a run. Even if it's a walk. You don't have to sprint, just that's what helped me. She said, go for a run. So with all of the wise knowledge she gave me and Louise had given me and my family and Zach, I went home, I took it really slow, I went for a run and you know what? I felt great. And that day was the start of like me being reborn because I then started to yeah, try new things. And I obviously am very careful with my leg, but that was another thing. Like I was not a runner before this happened. I love fitness and, and health and all of that stuff. But, you know, I think that was another big thing was I do like, I, you know, cycle as well. And I've got two legs. Why not use them? You lost yeah. me, mate. You were good with no Brene Brown. <laughs> Doing exercise, you killed I saw your eyes start to glaze over. <laughs> so running, running. Yes. I know we've had lots and lots of conversations about this, but I think, you know, it's something that you said in that moment, it all sort of went flashing by. And they say that, you know, when you feel like this could be the end, your life flashes by and you suddenly think about all the things you wish you could do or should have done or the fact that you may have become complacent and I think you know obviously a lot of times it takes people to hit rock bottom to to find a foundation to rebuild from what would you say to anybody who it might help where they don't have to get to that level of hitting rock bottom looking back what would you tell your old self now knowing what you know now don't be afraid to talk to someone like mm. I had a conversation with someone very dear to me this afternoon and I said that you know they were feeling quite vulnerable and angry and upset about something and I said something that I have been telling myself is feel what you feel you yeah. are a 
allowed to feel what you feel. If you feel sad or angry, you are validated to like, you're allowed to feel like that. And if someone makes you feel like you shouldn't be sad or upset or angry or disappointed, they don't own your feelings. You own your feelings. So you're allowed to feel what you feel. And I think that's the best advice I can give to someone is 100%. feel what you feel. But I also said, but then move on. Don't hold on to that feeling. Leave it at the door. Leave it at work. Don't carry it inside. Mm-hmm. Find a way to move on from it. And I think that that's what I I did was I was sad. I was angry at the world. I was all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. But then I made an active choice that I need to change. I need to change my life or I need to do something and that is my way of moving on from it. So I think the best thing, advice that I can give to someone is, yes, feel what you feel, but move on. Because mm-hmm. if you stay, if you stay in that one horrible dark place, yeah, you're not going to get yourself out of it. Because I think I literally said to you, Lou, I've hit rock bottom, but I needed to do that to get myself out of it. Yeah, yeah, you did, you did, and you know the hard part. And I hundred percent agree with you. Feel what you feel. And the hard part, I think, for people is when somebody is going through such a tough, horrible time, what as humans we tend to do is we try and rush you through that emotion because it makes us uncomfortable, which is not fair because we're doing that because we feel uncomfortable about it. But you, we need to allow you to feel how you feel and we need to feel that with you and help you through that and not rush you through that by saying oh, you'll be fine come on like get over it no if you're having a bad day you are allowed to have a bad day if all you do is get out of bed and breathe that day and go back to bed you've had a good day if that's what you needed to do and I think that's hard because I know when you've had such a traumatic thing happen people want to get you through it but sometimes you just need to feel your way through it you know and, and I have I still have bad days Lou as you I know I still have really bad days where I get up and I'm so shook up from a nightmare or a feeling that I've had that has triggered or brought it back I still have them all the time but that's okay because every single day makes me stronger like people will ask me oh how's how's the leg how's the cut and I'm like you know what sometimes I actually forget that it's there and I do because I feel like I've gotten to a point where I've moved on from it. And I think it was good. This podcast made me go back and revisit feelings I'd probably put aside that I didn't want to deal with or talk about. And Mm. like the biggest thing for me as well is just gratitude, just being grateful and reflecting back. Like I've, I wrote so many notes as you knew Lou that I wanted to kind of discuss today and the last two weeks, I'm, I've been sitting back and, and being like, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful for this and I'm so grateful for that. And I, I have to say the number one thing and person that I'm the most grateful for is Zach, my partner. Like I cannot even put into words what he has done for me. Like when I was in a wheelchair, I couldn't go take myself to the bathroom I couldn't shower myself I couldn't even do my hair and I was yeah I 
I was going to say that the, the cutest thing for a couple of weeks, Maddie would come to work and I'd say, Zach's getting good at them ponytails. <laughs> <laughs> he became a master hairdresser. He was doing very it's well. A, it's, 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 a pretty, it's a pretty good way to test out a future husband, right, Maddie? Oh, yes. Like I just, he's, my parents always say Zach is incredible in a crisis. Like, and I'm I. Pressure, Zach. <laughs> I feel like I've, been, I've had quite a number of crises, but he has just been so good. And my gra- my grandmother had asked me once in my recovery, oh, how's Zach? And my first thought was, he's fine. What about me? And I kind of went back and thought, oh, this poor guy, like, I wonder what he is feeling. And I did ask him and I said, like, are you okay? And he goes, yeah, I'm fine. And he actually said to me, it wasn't the cut and the gore. He was fine with that. But he saw a loved one in excruciating pain. And he said for him as well, he watched me fall in. He was behind me and he literally watched me fall in and he couldn't do a thing about it. And, you know, I can't imagine how scary that must have been for him because I used to go to bed with him at night and he would I would feel him have nightmares I knew that he was struggling just as much as as I was but he was putting on a brave face for me and the last couple of days I have just sat back and reflected I'm not going to get upset but I'm just there are no words for how much I love this man for I, I know that I could have got through this by myself. There's there's no doubt I could have done it, but he helped me and I solely 100% believe that the reason I healed as quick as I did was because I had someone like him to get me through it. Like mm. even in that moment that I was going through all that pain in hospital, I was watching him and he, I, the hor- horrified look on his face to see what I was going through but he was still there and I knew he was never going to leave my side. And that's been the biggest reflection for me over the last week is how lucky I am Amazing. to have someone that loves me that much that has stuck by my side through all of this. And I have not been easy. Like I have self-sabotaged this relationship. I was really difficult to live with there for a while and I was crying and I was so angry and he was so patient. And I just think, oh my God, I'm so sorry for how I was. But so Maddie, yeah. look, uh, I'm going to ask you, and Cam brought it up before, and we, we asked you advice to people with, that might be going through a bit of a tough time or um, that are looking for a bit of a change. And you, you've brought, you know, you brought up feel the feeling, you've gone uh, move on from that feeling, you've gone ask for help as well. Um, and as you know, we try and help out you know, people within the real estate industry, whether it's new recruits or leaders, whoever's in there or anyone listening, really, if they're going through something in their life, what else do you think maybe, because not everyone's going to go to foster a slip down a rock and, you know, cut their leg. I mean, what else, what else can you help them with to, to get that aha or that change moment? What else can you, can you give us? Um, do you feel that maybe was one of those big things? I'll share some of the the things that I've done that have really helped me because it has been a healing journey. So look, the biggest thing is speak to your leader, speak to your leader, because I have had conversations with Louise inside work, outside work that haven't even been like a lot of our conversations have not even been work related where I'm just like, you know, 
throw me a bone with, with this, you know, I'm struggling with this tonight. And she was always there. So speak to your leader because that's what they're there for. They are, they are there for that. Um, a big thing, look, this isn't going to be for everyone, but a huge thing that has helped me was I started meditating. This has actually been the biggest thing that has healed me. Mm-hmm. Meditation and yoga. I've discovered something called a sound bath. So I'll let everyone kind of do their own research, but you basically you're meditating, but there's live sounds of crystal bowls and gongs and everything going on in the background. And I'm so lucky that there is, um, there's a lady that offers that service here and I go to them weekly and I always go back and I say to Louise, oh my gosh, you have to try this. It's changing my life because it, I don't know, it's hard to explain, but it brings stuff to the surface. My very first sound bath that I went to, I was very emotional. Breath work, I highly recommend breath work. And it's because because this is something that I still use today. Now, I if I'm starting to feel overwhelmed at work or there's something that's starting to trigger me, I just stop and I just take some deep breaths. And Thomas actually said something the other week that I thought was quite funny because it's exactly what I do is how to bring yourself in the moment is focus on one thing. So I'll like, you know, rub my fingertips together or I'll focus on a spot on the wall or, you know, am I warm? Am I cold? I center myself and just focus on my breathing. And it just, for me, that's what calms me down. But I do a lot of meditation before I go to sleep. Like I'll put it on a sleep timer um, and yoga. I go to the gym. Like I'm when my brain is active and my body is active, I'm like I'm feeling good. So I think, you know, I'm not telling people to sign up and go to the gym, but that's something that has hugely helped me is being active and keeping my body moving and keeping myself healthy. Mm. But yeah, the number one thing, if you've never tried it, meditate. I love it so much that I've actually signed up to a course. And when I finish that at the end of the year, I'll be a fully accredited meditation teacher because I want to help people go through something that I went through as well. There's a a class in Newcastle, uh, a couple of friends of mine, um, it's called Morning Mindfulness. And you focus, it's meditating, but you focus on your breathing and you center yourself and those are the things that I said yes to that I would not normally have done before. Playing tennis, playing golf, just mm-hmm. try think, try new things. Step out of your comfort zone. Because more golf, more golf. <laughs> more golf. Step out of your comfort zone. So, so, Maddie, you've just brought up two things that I'm going to bring you back to. You've gone through previously. You said you're feeling like you're going plateauing through life which I think a lot of people fall into that comfort zone. And then you brought up this word, the comfort zone. So do you feel just saying yes to more and maybe no to other things that weren't so important? I'm, 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 I'm asking you, I mean, tell us a little bit more about that. Um, yes, sort of- I no longer stress about things that I cannot control. So something goes wrong at work that I cannot physically fix or control it's always problem <laughs> no, plow it off to Lou. usually what you can't control that's usually the problems you can't control but if there's you know if, if for whatever reason 
you know, I if it's something that I could have done differently, yes, but don't stress about it. Learn from it and then, you know, going forward, fix it. But if there is something that I can't control, there is no point in worrying about it because you know what? I went through something that nearly, well, did change my life significantly. Those little things, they don't matter. They do not but matter. Previously, were you worrying about that shit, that stuff? That's, were you worrying about that stuff? So you realised it was of no consequence, really, in the big picture, right? Yeah. You asked me. I was stressing about everything. And I was stressing about what, if I was doing, like, the, I think the number one thing I used to say to Louise is, I'm do, am I doing enough? Is this yeah. good enough? Yeah. And I had a huge conversation. Every day, every day Maddie would say. And I'm I, not good enough. That was the one thing, and I see you smiling, Thomas. Um, <laughs> As one thing, one thing that, yeah, one thing on top of your meditation and your breath work, and which has been doing amazing things for you. I know you've been doing a lot of reading. I know you've been doing a lot of podcasts, like listening to a lot of podcasts. So, you know, I think it's important. Like some people that struggle and don't necessarily aren't ready for the whole meditation thing, you know one page in one good book can change your entire mindset. And sometimes that's all it takes as well, just to help. But, you know, I can't stress that in, that enough to people as well, on top of the meditation and the breath work that you're doing, what are you consuming? What are you consuming? Because, you know, you, what you consume becomes your reality. And, and I know when you really took a deep dive into that as well, it was just in how you spoke. It was how you handled yourself. It was how you handled situations. Like I can't even explain the change in Maddie since January 2nd, 2023 to now. Like it's, it's like I have a different colleague, really a different colleague, you know, it's amazing. It really is. So something I'm always saying to Louise is when I learn something new, I like to then progress on it so because I'm learning this new way of life I'm I actually told Thomas so there is a book that I'm reading called Maximum Achievement by Brian Tracy and it is changing my life mm-hmm. I listen to lots of different podcasts though like I listen to the Mark Boris pod- podcast and he's got these inspiring people which makes me want to just dive in and do more but then I listen to lots of I love listen to lots of affirmations as well on a wisdom on a wisdom yeah I also am actually studying marketing and interior design so I'm always training my brain into something new and I'll tell you that the second one isn't working Matt's I know <laughs> I'd ask for a refund. <laughs> like a picture or something. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's a green screen. Maddie just moved into her new house. So congratulations on the new house. But yes. Maddie, you said you said something <laughs> that I thought that really hit me about some three weeks ago when we, we, we last met. And you said, you know what, Thomas? One of the biggest lessons I got out of my accident is... I've learned now never to say no to life. Do you want to talk a little bit more about this? Yeah, yeah. I just, it basically just goes back to what I was saying before. Like, I don't, I'm not going to say I'm going to take risks because if anything, I'm so much more careful now than what I was before. But life is so precious. And every single day you wake up, you're given a second chance 
So mm. go to work and, you know, challenge yourself and do better than what you did yesterday. If you've been fighting with your partner, you know, be better than what you were yesterday. Even if you were at your very, very best yesterday, be better and do better. And, you know, make fe- make people feel better about themselves than what you, than what they were when you first met them. Like, lift people up and it goes well a lot with saying you know say yes to everything in life just I'm just always trying to be better as a person so that you know I don't die with any regrets and I can say that I've lived a really really good life because look I I was living a good life before nothing was wrong with my life but I just feel like I've had this awakening that I just want to do more and be more and just be the best person that I can be whether I'm you know as a colleague or as a friend or as a partner in life I just think that this was a huge moment for me to just want to do better Mm. like that's the best way I can describe it like I just this needed to happen to me I don't (laughs) I don't feel bad about what happened. This needed to happen to me. And I'm, I'm, look, I'm not glad it happened, but it happened and I, I, I could either go up or I could go down and I'm on my way up and I'm going to keep going up. There's always like, I think I may have said it to you before Mads, but there'll always be a Maddie before and a Maddie after the event because it's it's two totally different people now and I'm so glad that you found it within you to go up because there was a time there when you were really really struggling and we were having long teary conversations and I thought please God take her up and you you know what it takes courage to you know bounce back from something like that it really does to, you know, walking around with your walking stick. I watched you come into the office like crying because of how you felt and looked and it, it's amazing. It's inspiring. But maybe Madeleine had no choice, but to, to get better. And, and also I think that uh, Isaac uh, deserves to probably win the Oscar. We, we, uh, sorry, Zach, Zach. <laughs> but I was going to ask you two things. First of all is, we haven't spoken about Zach, but as a partner who really is there to give you support, I think, what about him? Has he spoken about the fact that he went to bed that night thinking, what about if she lost a leg, a foot? How, how, how do I move on? I mean, have you guys spoken about that? And my second question is, have both of you gone back to that same break wall? Yes. So the very first question is, yes, we ha- we actually speak about it quite regularly. We're always talking about, um, you know, improvements in each other. And very, very early on, we spoke about um, how it was affecting him because for a while there, I was was really, really worried about him and how it was affecting him. He's very, very resilient and he's kind of got this, oh, like, everything's everything's good and I'm fine but I think that you know he did have to process what happened because can you imagine your loved one that happening to them how would you feel so I kind of put myself into his shoes and there's still at time there's still at times where I have to remind myself like oh just be patient be patient because 
he went through it all with me every single second of every single day he went through it with me he was right there by my side for all of it he watched everything unfold so yes you know we have we have spoken about it and we've both actively moved on from it in a healthy way that that we can talk about it like when I shared with him that I was going to be on the podcast we've spoken about it quite regularly and he's been so supportive and reassuring and saying you know you'll be okay and just speak your truth and if there's things that you're not comfortable to talk about don't push yourself too hard but yeah so he's been really good yes I have been back down to the break form it did take some time it was actually only recently I'm probably going to say in the last month so Zach and I like to go for a morning walk basically every single morning and our morning walk is from our house well our old house which is in front of the Foster Marina we'd go past our favorite cafe up the break wall and then back and then when the accident happened we'd go from our house to the cafe back home and we would just skip that whole break wall no one spoke a word about it he knew that I was refusing to go back there I did not want to deal with it I was fearful I was sick and we go fishing a lot. So there was quite a number of times we would need to go past that break wall, but I would have my back to it. I didn't want to deal with it. That was a part of my life. I wasn't ready to deal with and I didn't want to, but he never, ever pushed me. He never once said, oh, come on. Like there was a couple of times we'd go fishing and we'd be walking and he'd be like, do you want to go there? And I would say, no, nope. no problem. Like he would never push me because he knew that when I was ready to do it, I would do it. So, which was the biggest help to me. But there was one morning um, and it was basically after I'd been doing all of these things to lift myself back up, we were at the cafe and I said to him, let's keep going. And he kind of just looked at me and he was like, didn't question it. He was like, okay. And we kept walking and he kind of um, led the way a little bit for me. Um, but also just kept making sure that I was there. And he did keep asking me, are you okay? Are you good? And I was like, yep, I'm fine. Walk Because it happened as you're walking up the break wall, it, would, it was on the left. So as we were walking up, I just stayed to the right. He was to the left of me. He held my hand the entire time and, you know, squeezed it to, you know, metaphorically say, I'm here for you. And then on the way back, he let me walk on my own. And I didn't ask him to do that, but I think that he knew that I, that's what I needed. And it got to that point and I stopped and I, I knew exactly where it happened because I knew that where I'd been carried was at a big rock and it was right in front of that. So I stopped and I'd like, my eyes were shut and I, I was just telling myself like, you're so brave, you can do this you know, and I'm fine and I'm tough and I'm strong. I can do this. And I opened my eyes and it was awful. <laughs> it was an awful feeling. I was so sick, but I just pushed through it and I scanned the area and I was looking at all the different oyster beds and it was making my, I felt so eerie and I was, my skin was crawling, but I just pushed through it. And I was letting out a lot of emotion. I was quite teary but he just stood back and he let me have my moment. He wasn't, yeah, he was, he was so good. And then I, like, I dealt with it and then we kept walking and I said to him, I think that's what I needed to do to let go. I didn't realize that that was the one thing that I was holding on to. I thought I'd let go of everything and I thought I was fine, but I still didn't want to deal with that. 
But as soon as I went down there and I faced my fears, I said to him, I feel free. I feel the biggest release and I feel like, like everything's going to be okay. Like I'm going to be okay. So, yeah. Ooh, I felt like I didn't breathe for like two minutes then. <laughs> oh, man. That's amazing. That's amazing. We're getting to the, the closing of our podcast. Um, I, I think it's probably been a very, very good one, if not one of the best one I've ever um, attended to. Uh, so why don't we just close maybe with uh, what we got out of Maddie's experience and sharing. And thank you so much for sharing, Maddie. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that um, the day that you want to stop this thing, I think that you are starting to forge a career in inspiration uh, speaking circuit I, I think that you can do so so well mm-hmm. um, so what what is one of the lessons that we've learned and then I probably would ask uh Cam if you can uh probably close but uh also Maddie um if you can have a closing statement okay so mm-hmm. I'll I'll, uh, I'll start so that I can say that you know whatever I have to say then you guys got more important things to say but Maddie I, I think that for me the day that you said I have learned never to say no to life or no to anything like you learn to play tennis and you never played tennis you 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 learn to do meditation and you've never done that you you're doing things that a lot of people would have said no to that to me was the most inspiring thing and on that trip back all the way from Tari back to Sydney I was thinking I gotta get this girl on, onto the podcast because what she said there I, I, it's still not out of my head and we close to Sydney you know and so I just want to thank you for today. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So for me, never say no to life. Beautiful. Mm. I think I'll go next. <laughs> um, for me, Mads, there's so many, there's so many things because I've been with you a lot through this journey. But I think the most inspiring thing is the resilience that you've shown to go through something so horrific and just bounce back, but not bounce back just to the level that you were you bounce back to an incredible amazing and it's making me cry now so I'm going to try not to but it's you've just been an inspiration to all of us <laughs> all right I'll, I'll save a life there I'll throw a, I'll throw a lifeline out to uh to the old Lou there look I think it's a, a, a unreal the fact that it, we're only talking about a factor of like six seven months from yeah. going through you know, I, I need to ask, did you catch any fish when you were fishing on the rocks? Did you catch any? No, that was the worst part. Oh, that sucks. No, that's it. Podcast over. You I thought that was going to be the story. I hooked a wire on it. You hooked me. We have made a new office policy, though. When people are on holidays, they're not to go fishing. Because <laughs> <laughs> Eddie actually did the same thing two days later and, and got a gash in his leg with 25 stitches. What I was going to say, Matt, is I think it's unbelievable that we're only halfway through the year and you're sitting here, gone through, excuse me, gone through all that and 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 have cut, have turned such a corner. And I, I like on the back of what Thomas's statement is that you've realised that, you know, there's so much life out there and you've got rid of all the unnecessary baggage. And mm-hmm. I read a line before the uh, podcast that was like, uh, the more you let go, the higher you will rise. 
Yeah. And it sounds like that's what you've done is you've let go of the crap and you're taking the good, you're taking the things that you want to live, you're living your life, which I think is unbelievable. It's unfortunate that you had to go through such a, an event to reach that, but to do that within such a short period, a turnaround, because you're only a young lady, I think there's people that three times your age that still haven't seen that. Mm. So thanks for, thanks for sharing. Thanks for your lesson, because I didn't know any of the story behind that. And I've taken so many notes. Thank you very much, Maddie. Thank you very, very much. Thank you. Um, well, I've got two things. One, I will kill you at tennis. I will destroy you at tennis. All right? There's a lot of fishing. He won't be doing fishing. And Maddie, you better, be, you better believe him, Maddie, because he almost killed my son. He actually did you his... Can ask Alex Wang, who can't walk either because of a game of tennis with me, all right? So we'll do a podcast about that. Listen, I, I think... Um, so many podcasts, so many books, so many stories like this that people use as inspiration. I just wish one day as humans we'd stop waiting to fall off a rock into the ocean before we start living life. I don't think, I almost think it's a shame that it takes a story like this. Imagine you did, you did so well. Oh, it's great to have someone talk so much apart from Lou on this podcast. It's brilliant. <laughs> um, but I, I, I actually, I think it's a shame that we keep needing stories like this to remind ourselves to, to live our life. And um, I think the lesson is don't wait for someone else to, to fall off a rock and lose a leg for you to start doing what you want to be doing in the world. That's, I, th I think that needs to be the story because uh, we, I'm sure Madsy wishes that she'd started long before she got hurt to do it because how much more fun are you having now? Loads. Loads more fun. Yeah. And it's a weird anomaly with us humans that it, it takes us such a traumatic event for us to actually start living where, where we've been given the gift to start with. Like we, we, you look out at the stars tonight and realise how freaking lucky you are to actually even be here because the universe is what the universe is, but we're, too many of us wait till it's life or death before we actually we um, start the process. So, um, well done, Mads. Thank you. Good job. Mad, would you like to close, please? I'm going to share three things that are almost like affirmations for me, and I hope that they mean what they mean to me and to everyone else. So life is short, be grateful, and every single day is a second chance and a new beginning. Yes. Beautiful. I think the three things. I thought it was just one. I think the three things. That was three. <laughs> Thank you so much for today, uh, Matt. And, and I, I, I mean it. I think that this experience has got so much more for you. You moved me. You have inspired me. I think you've inspired all about uh people here um you've got an amazing future ahead of you i think that zach really is someone that um is inspiring to listen to probably and um thanks again thanks maddie all the thanks, best maddie. thank you see you guys